the Lord today. Turn with me this morning in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter number 20. The book of 2 Chronicles, chapter number 20. We'll begin reading with the first verse this morning. Read down and include verse 12 to begin with this morning. 2 Chronicles, chapter number 20. Not Corinthians, but Chronicles. In the Old Testament, chapter number 20 began reading with verse number 1. It says that it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared, and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, you are not, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, and nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Let's look at verse 12 again. Uh, Oh, we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I'm using for a subject this morning when the odds are against you. When the odds are against you. Father, we thank you, Father, for the word of the Lord today. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that uh, your word is indeed a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. Father, we just pray today, Lord, that your anointing, Lord, will rest heavy upon the message and the messenger today. Give us clarity of thought and of speech today. Father, help us, Lord, to preach with an unction uh, from the Holy One today. Lord, help us to respond to the word that we receive as well. We ask all of these things for the glory of the Lord. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. And you may be reseated this morning. Well, what do you do when the odds are stacked against you? What do you do when your back is against the wall? You know, the Bible is filled with story after story, example after example of situations just like this. 
The odds were definitely against David when he stood before the giant Goliath with only a slingshot and a handful of rocks. The odds were against Gideon as he took just 300 men with ridiculous weapons like lanterns and pitchers and and trumpets. uh, And he faced off against a well-trained army of Midianites, too numerous to count. And how about Jesus when he was asked to feed 5,000 hungry families out of a little boy's lunchbox? What do you do when the odds are stacked against you? I'm convinced today that someone, if not several someones, are here today who feel this exact same way. It could be that you have lost your job. And and every time that you go and apply for for a job, there's several hundred applying for the very same job. Perhaps you are faced with a mountain of debt today and you can barely provide the necessities to oh, to keep your family afloat and all the while the bill collectors call uh, oh, threatening you and, and interest on the debt and penalty on the debt and all of this keeps piling up on the original debt and the mountain of debt grows taller and taller. Maybe you're facing an incurable disease. Perhaps there's a family issue that is going on in your life. But for whatever reason this morning you feel that the odds are stacked against you. And your back is against the wall. And you have absolutely no clue. What in the world am I going to do? Such was the case with Jehoshaphat in our scripture this morning. And I want us to look into this account of this story and what took place that day. And there are four things that I want to call your attention to this morning. And the first thing I want us to notice uh, in this story this morning, I want us to notice the stress. The stress, verses 1 through 3. It happened that after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites and came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And then some people came and told Jehoshaphat and said, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea. And Jehoshaphat feared. And Jehoshaphat feared. Notice the stress. And I want to suggest this morning that that Jehoshaphat's stress came from two different areas. First of all, the stress came because of the sheer magnitude. The magnitude, oh, several nation had, nations had come together uh, oh, to go against Jehoshaphat and his kingdom. They're outnumbered and they're overpowered and the odds are stacked against them. You know, sometimes things come at us one at a time, you know. You know, we get sick and everybody gets sick sometimes. And sometimes you have financial setbacks, financial trouble. Sometimes you have problems in a relationship. You have problems in your family. Sometimes you have work issues and sometimes the car breaks down and sometimes the roof starts leaking. And how many understand that we can handle all of these things one at a time? But oh, when they start coming to us from every direction, when all of a sudden, not only is it one or two things, but all of a sudden it all starts happening all at once. When trouble begins to come from all sides, oh, when the odds are stacked against us, we begin to stress out. Jehoshaphat's stress came about because of the, of the magnitude. It wasn't just one army that he was going to have to face. It, it wasn't just one nation that was coming against him, but several armies, uh, several nations had united and all together had united and all together they were coming against Jehoshaphat and his kingdom. 
Not only did his stress come about because of the magnitude, but it also came about because of the memory. Look at verse 10 and 11. And now here are the people of Ammon, Jehoshaphat says, Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. And here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. The memory, Jehoshaphat remembered that there was a day and there once was a time when they could have totally wiped out, they could have totally destroyed these very same people. They could have destroyed them, they could have taken their land, but God would not allow it. And Jehoshaphat says, all right, is this the way that we're going to be repaid for sparing them? We spared them. We offered them mercy. We offered them grace. We we could have destroyed them, but we let them live. And now they're coming at us. Is this the way we are being repaid? You know, I hate to say it this morning, but sometimes the very people that you help the most are the very people that will destroy you or will refuse to help you when it's in their power to do so. Has it ever happened to you? You help somebody climb the ladder of success? <laughs> Perhaps you even train them on their job. And once they got the position and once they had the authority and once the power was within their own hand, they forgot who you were. They wouldn't speak to you. They wouldn't talk to you. They had nothing to do with you. They uh, totally disregarded you. Wouldn't even acknowledge you or even worse, sometime down the road, they fired you. Jehoshaphat is stressed out all all over the sheer numbers, the magnitude of the situation. Many nations combined together and then add to this the uh, haunting memory. These are the very same people that they could have defeated at an earlier time. And yet they were merciful and showed grace to them. Now they are showing that they have forgotten all about that. The stress. But not only do I want us to notice the stress, the next thing that I want, to, want us to see in this, I want us to notice the seeking. Notice the seeking. Verse number 3, Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. I want you to notice, I think it's quite interesting, notice that he doesn't practice army drills. He, he doesn't make a battle plan. He doesn't take an inventory of his supply of weapons. No, sir, he sets himself to seek the Lord. He proclaims a fast throughout all Judah. Four things about his seeking this morning. I want you to notice that he sought the right person. He sought the right person. He didn't seek out his general. He didn't say, bring me my general. He, he didn't call together all of his captains. No. Verse number three said he sought the Lord. Friend, who do you seek out when the odds are against you? Do you, do you call your parents or do you talk to your best friend or do you turn to your spouse or do you turn to a financial advisor or a shrink? Too often when our backs are against the wall, when the odds are stacked against us, we run all over the place seeking advice from this one and that one and someone else all seeking consolation for first, from first one and then another, totally ignoring the very one that can help. 
I can't tell you how many times I have called someone on the phone who had been absent from church for a few weeks and calling to check on them only to hear them say, Well, Pastor, I've really been going through it. I've really been going through it. I'm, I'm really depressed right now. I've got so many problems. Why, why haven't you been to church? Well, I'm just, I'm just so stressed and I just have so much going on and, and, and I'm just, my back is up against the wall and I'm just, oh, I'm just feeling so bad. Oh, then how much more, how much more do we need to be seeking the Lord? We don't need to be hiding in our houses, amen, having a pity party, but we need to be seeking the Lord. We need to be crying out to the Lord. Friend, when we're going through the difficult times of life, how much more do we need to be seeking the Lord at those times? Jehoshaphat, he sought the right person. And I want you to notice that he sought with the right priority. He sought God first. He talked to God about his situation before he talked to man. You see, here's the problem with talking to man, and that is everybody will tell you something different. You know, opinions, you know, they're kind of like, you know, armpits. Everybody has them and most of the time they stink. (laughs) The problem with going to man is, and going to man, is the fact that everybody will tell you something different. You know, as a pastor, I can announce something in church and some people will pat me on the back and some people will cheer me on and some people will throw rocks. I mean, we all have our opinions. Amen. Jehoshaphat, he not only sought the Lord, but he sought with the right priority before he went to man, before he talked to the general, before he called a council of his captains. First of all, he set himself to seek the Lord. The first thing he did was cry out to God. Not only did Jehoshaphat seek the right person and seek with the right priority, but He sought with other people. I didn't say he sought other people. I said he sought with other people. Verse 3, he set himself to seek the Lord and, say and. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Friend, when the odds are stacked against us, it's good. Amen. To get somebody else praying for us. Amen. When the, when the odds are stacked against us, when our back is against the wall, that's when we need some reinforcements. That's when we need some other folks. Amen. Bombarding heaven on our behalf. You see, it's actually easier to pray for somebody else and believe for somebody else than it is for us to pray and believe for ourselves. You see, when you're sick or you have a need, I'm God's man of faith and power for the hour. Yeah, I've got faith for you. Come on, bring it on, man. I'll believe God with you. You know? Told you before, when my wife is sick, amen, I just lay hands on her and command her to be healed in the name of Jesus. And then I say, woman, thou art healed. Get up and fix supper. And I got faith, amen. When I'm hungry, I got faith. <laughs> now when I'm sick, you better leave me alone. <laughs> I seem to have a whole lot more faith for somebody else than I do for my own self. 
And so when our back is against the wall, when the odds are against us, oh, oh, we need to seek with other people. We need other people joining with us in prayer. And the fourth thing I want you to notice about his seeking was that he sought with the right perspective. He sought with the right perspective. Verse 5 through 7. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham your friend forever? And verse 12. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. And we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Jehoshaphat recognized the omnipotent power of God. He humbled himself before God. He admitted his total, complete reliance upon God. He said to God, we are powerless against this enemy. The odds have been stacked against us. There's no way humanly possible for us to defeat them them on our own. We have no power against them. And we don't know what to do. Oh, we don't know what to do. He said, evidently, Jehoshaphat didn't know the phrase, fake it till you make it. He was willing to admit he needed help. He was willing to admit he didn't know what to do. He was willing to admit that on his own they were going to fail. And to admit that they needed the help of Almighty God. Oh, he wasn't concerned about his about being macho. He wasn't worried about saving face or appearing calm, cool, and collected. No, my friend, the odds are stacked against him. He needs an answer. He needs help. In verse 12, we are powerless against him. We don't know what to do. But he said our eyes. Our eyes are upon you. Oh, this morning that our eyes would be upon God today. I said, oh, that our eyes, amen, would be upon God this morning. Listen, friend, don't look to your government for help. They can't even run their own business. Oh, don't look to one another for help. We all have our own set of problems. Oh, we need to be like Jehoshaphat of old. God, oh, God, the odds are against us. God, our back is against the wall. God, we're outnumbered. God, we don't know what to do. God, we're going to fail. But our eyes are upon you, God. We are looking to you today. You are our help. You are our fortress. You are our strength. You can help us overcome. Hallelujah. Third thing I want us to notice this morning. Let's notice the strategy. The strategy. Verse 13. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. 
Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord is with you. There are two things that Jehoshaphat needed to do here. First of all, he needed to hear the word of the Lord. He needed to hear the word of the Lord. As Jehoshaphat and his people began to seek God, the Bible said that the Spirit of the Lord came upon a man of God and he prophesied. And his prophecy was a word of encouragement. It was a word of assurance. It was a word of instruction. Friend, when the odds are stacked against us in our lives, oh, friend, if we will only seek the Lord with all of our heart, He will unfold before us a strategy. Amen. He will tell us what to do. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will direct us. And when the odds are stacked against us, we need to hear, we need to hear the word of the Lord. And oh, friend, we can hear the word of the Lord as we are reading the word. Amen. That's the reason why we don't need to leave our Bible on the dash as the last thing we pick up on our way into church on Sunday morning. But every day we need to open the book. And even if it's just a verse or two or a chapter or whatever. Amen. But especially when our, when the odds are against us and our back is against the wall, we need to seek the Lord. We need to have a word from God. We need to hear from God. And we can hear from God when we open the book and let God speak to us. We might hear the word of the Lord when we read the word. We might hear the word of the Lord. Amen. As the pastor is preaching the word. Oh, how many know that he's not just doing his duty and he's not just performing his duty so he can get his paycheck. But how many understand, amen, that God has a word for us every Sunday. I believe that every Sunday God has a word for us. Amen. Every Sunday. I don't just pull something off of the shelf that I preached before. I don't just go to the internet and find me a sermon somewhere. But every week, every week I get upon my face before God and I cry out to God. And I say, God, there's people that are going to be there on Sunday that need a word from you. And God, I've got to have a word. I don't want to just preach a sermon. Oh, I like to package it well. I like to put it in a way where you can understand it, you can grasp it, and you can take it home with you. But listen, friend, it's more than a sermon. Amen. It's more than that. Amen. The Lord wants you to hear the word of the Lord as the man of God stands on Sunday morning and declares the word of the Lord. He wants you to hear. He wants you to hear there's a word for somebody here today. God wants you to hear the word of God while the man of God is preaching. It might come through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, it's been a long time since I heard anything in the church. Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, why don't you use your gifts then? Don't talk to me about it. Exercise your gift. Every service, there's a pause, there's an opportunity in every service for the Holy Spirit to work. Second of all, if you'll read the New Testament, you'll find that more often than not, the gifts of the Holy Spirit operated outside of the church and outside of the services. Amen? 
We got this thing backwards. We're going to come in here and bless everybody and, you know, have our little hallelujah hoedown and let the gifts of the Spirit, and they ought to flow, and I'm not against them, and I understand that, but I want to tell you what they are really for, amen, is to get us through the week. What they're really for is for us to minister, amen. We're to come in here and get filled up, and then we're to go out of here and use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, amen, to minister to people. Amen. We need to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. It, it might come through the mouth of a trusted godly saint. Be real careful. A lot of things comes out of people's mouths. How many understand we need to hear the word of the Lord? Amen. We need to hear the word of the Lord. We need to let God speak to us. We need His house. We need His word. We need His people. Amen. But friend, not only do we need to hear the word of the Lord, we also, we also need to heed the word of the Lord. Let's read verses 18 through 21. Verse 18 through 21. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who would, should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Friend, how many times do we, do we hear the word? Oh, we hear it clearly, but we don't heed it. We don't do what the word that we just received. Maybe we heard it in the, in the preaching. Maybe we read it in the scripture. Maybe there was a message in tongues, an interpretation, or a prophecy. Or maybe God just spoke directly to us and we heard the word of the Lord. So often we don't heed it. And friend, I ask you this morning, why should we expect God to give us a strategy for our situation? If we didn't heed the last time. People often wonder why the odds are stacked against them. They often wonder, where in the world is God in my situation? Where is God in all of my trouble? But God is wondering why in the world we constantly ignore His Word and choose not to heed what we have heard. Jehoshaphat not only heard the Word of the Lord, he also heeded it. Let's talk about the last thing in this story that I find, and that is... The supernatural. Verses 22 through 30. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. 
For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of, of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there they were, dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil. They found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry which they stripped off for themselves. More than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka. And there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of that place was called the valley of Baraka until this day. And then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them. To go back to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries that when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Do you understand the value of the supernatural? I said, do you understand the value of the supernatural? And we're supposedly Pentecostal. We're supposedly charismatic. We're supposedly full gospel. Of all of God's people, you and I ought to understand and ought to value all the supernatural. Can you even comprehend this morning what God is able to do? When the odds are stacked against you, don't don't leave the supernatural aspect out of the equation. Because God can do more for you in a moment's time than you can do for yourself in a lifetime. I'm telling you, friend, that God, amen, He can open that door for you. That door that has been shut for you, that door that you haven't been able to get through. You've used a sledgehammer trying to get through the door, and you can't get through the door. But I'm telling you that God supernaturally can open that door for you. God can give you favor with that particular person. That person that you think is against you. That person that works against you. That person, uh, oh, that is your thorn in the flesh. I'm telling you, supernaturally, God can turn that situation around. And God can give you favor with that person. And friend, God can cause the right circumstances to fall in line for you. Friend, I've seen God work in my life over and over and over. There was a time... When I tried to mess up my life, not on purpose, I was just stupid. I was just literally being stupid and trying to make things happen that were stupid. Just trying to wreck my life. And God didn't let it happen. He had a plan. When I was trying to kick down doors, you know, like a cop going through the door, you know, you see on TV, you know, I'd fall flat on my face. But when God got ready, He lined up the situation, He lined up the circumstances, and it all fell 
in place. Do you understand this morning the value of the supernatural? Do you understand, friend, that what you are not able to do for yourself, do you understand that God is able to make it happen for you? When your back is against the wall, when the altar stacked against you this morning, when you are overwhelmed and don't know what you're going to do, let me tell you that God can still intervene for you. Supernaturally, He can do awesome and incredible things for you. God can place you at the right place at the right time. What Jehoshaphat couldn't do for himself is... And his people, God, supernaturally did for him. He turned Jehoshaphat's united enemies against one another. So that they destroyed one another. And Jehoshaphat and his army didn't even have to lift a finger against them. And then God gave them the spoils. The Bible said that it took three days to gather all the spoils away. And they still didn't gather all the spoils. All Jehoshaphat wanted from God was for God to help him to overcome his enemy. But God not only caused them to overcome, but God caused them to prosper. Hear me, saint of God. Oh, you've worried yourself sick over how you're going to pay your bills. You've worried yourself sick about this situation or that one or some other. Friend, if you'll seek the Lord today, if you'll look to the Lord for your help instead of trying to fix this thing yourself. Friend, not only will God supply your need, but I'm going to tell you that God is able to supply an abundance for you. Friend, don't take the supernatural out of the equation. Don't take the supernatural out of the equation. We've heard people stand behind this pulpit, people from our own church, and talk about the supernatural blessing of God upon their life. One man stood up here and said he was going through the darkest time of his life financially. And uh, they were up against it. Their back was against the wall. The odds were against them. Oh, they couldn't hardly, barely even survive. He said he even thought about, well, maybe I don't tithe. Maybe I use this money to pay. But he'd been taught different. And he kept obeying God in this area. And just one story, he said, I... I was a salesman, he said, and I needed my car, and I went lots of places, and he said, I, I, I knew that my, the tread on my car should be getting, should be getting thin, because I, I knew I had 40, 45,000 miles on the car, and they were the original tires, and he said, I went out and I looked at the tread, and he said, you know, there was a little bit left, and when you don't have any money, you know, you're gonna go as far as you can. He said, I can go a little bit longer, but he kept looking, and he kept looking, and he kept looking, and he kept looking, week after week, and month after month, amen, and two years later, a man on a 45,000 mile tire, there was 106,000 miles on those tires. You think God can't do something supernaturally for us? How many understand that the same God? And this is what he said, that when that happened to him, he said the Spirit of the Lord reminded him of the time when the children of Israel were wandering in the desert for 40 years. But the Bible said that the soles of their shoes never even wore out. And so this salesman, man of God, a man who was obeying God, God supernaturally caused those tires to go one more mile and one more mile and one more mile, going two and a half times further than they ever should have gone. 
Oh, you can take your checkbook and an adding machine and try and make it add up and try and make it make sense. I'm telling you, friend, that God's economy is different than man's economy. I'm telling you that when the odds are stacked against us, I'm telling you when it seems like there's no way out, if we'll only seek the Lord, the Lord will be there for us and supernaturally God will take care of us. Hallelujah. If we get the worship team back this morning, I'm going to skip four pages of notes. Amen. Hallelujah. Friend, this morning, don't take the supernatural out of the equation. Don't take the supernatural out of the equation. God fed one of His prophets two meals a day by special delivery. Bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. Through buzzards. God provided manna in the morning, every single morning, for approximately three million people. He provided raw water out of a rock. Friend, when the odds are stacked against you, don't take the supernatural out of the equation. Don't take the supernatural.